0: Welcome to A Million Baptist Podcast, where we discuss church life, theological questions, and cultural influences. Our podcasts are available via Google, Spotify, Apple, and many other podcast platforms. We hope you subscribe and enjoy today's episode. All right, well, we're here with another roundtable. It's me and my buddy, Dylan. We hope that wherever you are, you are driving safe or you're working safe, or you're just in general safe. We hope that you are where you are and where you need to be. And we want that to be vague because we want it to fit in with like the postmodern relic of our times. Uh, the idea that we can just say whatever we want, and as long as we say it's
1: kind, uh, we can get by with it. I think that's sort of where the culture is today, do Yeah, don't yeah. You? you know, as long as uh, you don't step on my toes, I won't step <laughs> on your toes. I know you have some crazy ideas about, you know, these uh, these different shows that you grew up watching and enjoy. No, like, I grew up watching shows, period. Um, you, you're just saying that because you didn't grow up <laughs> watching any shows. Yeah, but don't judge. Don't judge I'm me. I'm
0: not, that wasn't <laughs> judgment. I mean, judgment is inescapable. Judgment right. is inevitable, but I am not making fun of you. I mean, I am making fun of you.
1: No, I, I watch shows. I but watch I'm, those kind of shows that my grandparents would know about. Right, like you know. watch The Waltons and uh-huh. Little House on the... Do you watch The Waltons? Uh, not much. Yeah. Did you watch Little House Little, on the Prairie? Little House of the Prairie, some, uh, you know, like Roy Rogers back old black and white Roy my, rogers yeah my wow. family was like into the black and white movie you ain't kidding shows, like, that, that, that kind of was before stuff. black so, and white that yeah. was just <laughs> yeah actually and then i got married and my in-laws you know one of their favorite shows you know was fresh andy prince griffith. of bel-air oh, okay yeah, we're on different <laughs> <laughs> so andy griffith well that's andy griffith well, that's great
0: andy griffith's great and andy griffith became color at one point dick it was van a little... dyke show you know that, that was also stuff. great because that he's the, like the best guy ever in the world. He's like the nicest guy. So I don't know what kind
1: of shows you watch. but uh, No, uh, <laughs> we would gather together
0: <laughs> as kids and watch NYPD Blue. Yeah. No, I don't know. We would watch a bunch of different stuff. I and mean, we watched a lot of TV, probably too much TV. So much so to where I'm not trying to watch as much TV with my children. Yeah. And I would go back and watch. I, well, Ellie Joe, our oldest, she watches uh, Little House on the Prairie when she's at my mom's. But to be fair, man, sometimes those Little House on the Prairie episodes can get
1: insane. Yeah, let's let's just say my parents were selective on which ones we watched. Right, the like there was this one I remember. where <laughs> We did the books instead. Okay. Yeah. Oh, there was this one I remember where
0: Ellie Joe had it on she was like crying and I was like, what? Did you just watch? She was in like the back room at my parents house and it was this one where like this guy is really overweight and he has this daughter and they live in the town and all the kids are making fun of this guy because he's overweight and the girl goes along with like the mockery right you know because so. like she's a kid yeah. and she didn't want to be made fun of so she like turns on her dad yeah those, are, those are intense <laughs> it's so much shame and then there's like that's like one level of intensity and then there's a whole nother level of intensity where like houses burn down right. and they like lose their kids and mary goes mary's already blind when right. that happens
1: it's nuts you man. know mister i wish, uh forging the stream in the winter you're oh, about right. to die out there in the snowstorm. <laughs> right. it's, it's so not intense, intense for the, the whole time. <laughs> it's, like,
0: it's not like, let's go eat some cereal and watch Little House on the Prairie. No, they got their own stuff, man. But I, I get what you mean. And all of it has something to do with what we wanted to address today, which is sort of a Christian's cultural engagement. And I think there's everything from what goes on in the political realm and this Roe versus Wade thing and... The overturning or the establishment or the maintaining of the ruling, like wherever we end up with this in in SCOTUS, as it most likely becomes a state issue. Once again, Christians, you know, no one likes talking about the heavy stuff, or at least a lot of people don't like mentioning it, like pretending like it's not there. But every Christian is sort of called to some level of cultural engagement as part of like their evangelism, as part of their witness. There are stances, there are points that need to be made. And it's not just the big stuff like on abortion issues, but it's every bit of it, like standing up for purity, what we just talked about, like the things we were allowed and not allowed to watch and protecting your kids' heads with all right. this stuff. Like, I don't think you're meeting a lot of facetious parents and saying like, oh, we're ne- we're going to be able to helicopter our kids. Forever, And they're never going to ever have anything to do with the culture. And, you know, they're just going to remain untouched until Christ
1: comes back. That's impossible in the world we live in, you know. And so the question is, you know, I think we see uh, often extremes on both sides. One would say, um, you know, we're not supposed to be super involved with our culture. We're in the world, but not of the world. So therefore, we're going to step back. We're going to focus on the important things, uh, which is... Uh, the gospel, which I'm not saying the gospel is not important, but we over to the extent that we withdraw from the world because we don't want to be touched by the dirt and the filth mm. of our culture. The other idea is that um, we should, uh, you know, almost I, I know people wouldn't believe this or, or see this, but, you know, it almost seems like uh, there's some people that are like so involved in the culture that they forget their mission which is to share the gospel. Mm -hmm. Um, And so both of those extremes are not healthy. So I think our question today is, what is the Christian's role Mm. when it comes to being involved in the culture that God has placed us into at this time in history?
0: Yeah, well, first we need to start with the biblical theology of culture. We need to look at that word and what it means. Culture is not just... Uh, Everything that you don't believe in and it's not an enemy, you're part of it. You're part of your culture. Uh, It's instantaneous, your consciousness. You're part of what's going on, and you can't not be a part of what's going on as long as you're here. Uh, But culture in one sense, in its most simple definition, is what we do with what God has made. We are created by God, but we are unlike any other part of God's creation. We've been made in what's called Imago Dei, with the image of God. Nothing else carries that title. Animals don't have that our same sense of consciousness, our same sense of moral fabric. They don't have any of that. Uh, we are alone in the universe as a created order, Imago Dei, a people of God who are made in the image of God. And so with that, um, it's what humans beings do with the created world, or what many would call the natural world and the resources that God has given us that would define or create a culture. And so the Bible, of course, has a lot to say about the world and what God has made and what we are to do with the world that God has made. So as always, Scripture sort of gives us an insight on culture itself. We understand that at the beginning, Genesis, count, Genesis 3, culture is a gift. Uh, man was given culture. Man was given the world uh, to exercise his dominion. Um, This is where a lot of people get an argument of like wanting to be environmentally friendly, like wanting to make sure that we're to the best of our ability, not being cruel in our animal practices and not being necessary. I'm not saying like jumping on any bandwagons or saying, you know, I'm all in for whatever these establishments, you know, believe. No, I think there's a sense of understanding of what you align with that you need to do some research. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's bad to say, like, you know, you try your best to recycle. Like, you are keeping up with this world, and you just because you have this revelation take where well, we're out of here one day doesn't mean you're, you're treating it, you know, just like a throwaway tissue. Right. So, so this is a whole concept here behind that dominion, uh, that you're supposed to love your neighbor here. Your neighbor shares the culture with you. But if you believe in uh, human nature and the, co- the cause of human nature, which is the fall in Genesis 3, We know that we were made good, we were made right, we were made perfect, and then yet exercising this will, this free will that Adam and Eve had, they chose sin over the Lord, really chose to be like the Lord, and in doing so they created a fallen culture, a fallen world. So to really understand our engagement, we must first understand the nature of the culture around us. Before you engage in anything, you're going to understand the nature. Before you enter into a partnership with a business partner, you're going to know that guy or know that girl. So there's an understanding
1: there. And I think there, uh, you know, a lot of people will say, "Okay, um, you know, culture has nothing to do with religion. Uh, You know, in a way, culture is non-religious. What would be your uh, response to that statement or ideology? Well, culture is religious um, because everyone
0: serves and everyone worships what they're what they're saying is, and I want to be very clear, because there's two things to say. One, everyone is religious about something.
1: Even atheists.
0: Everyone serves and everyone worships. Yes, even atheists, even secular humanists, they lend the authority, the ultimate authority to something uh, right. that is religious in nature. Now, you may say, I don't believe in a set of religious beliefs or what secular humanists in the most part like to say is, well, our religion is science. We don't have a religion. But if we did, it'd be science. Okay, well, it's still religion. Everyone comes to moral conclusions, and when they come to these moral conclusions, whether they do so inadvertently or not, they are creating opponents. So the the Great Commission makes Christians a part of that culture and in recognition, knowing that the whole culture is worshiping and serving somebody. I mean, we see this all over uh, Romans 1 when it talks about the created order of things for, I think it was Romans 1. Uh, It was verse 20 for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. They being those who are practicing ungodliness and unrighteousness. If you back up to verses 18 and 19, you see the wrath of God. Uh, And then very plainly, this general revelation is being described where they are guilty because everyone can see that there is a created order. There is creation, which would mean there is a creator. And then 21, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise. They became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for. And here's the religion images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So we might be a far cry from the babylonians
1: in one sense but not really. Right, right. So if uh, you know if as we've said the the great commission calls Christians to be a part of the culture yeah. um, that that le- means we have to engage. So what are our options in engaging well, in so, our culture, yeah, Well some people know?
0: don't believe some some people don't believe that. Yeah. Um, I mean we would I think you and I land on engaging with the culture. I mean, it's part of kind of what we're doing now, like with podcasts. We're right. certainly not doing it because we listen to this over and over again. Love hearing ourselves talk. No, I, mean, I don't I know what you do in your, time, yeah, your I- spare time. But, uh, I know that my grandma listens a couple times. She's, she's responsible for two, <laughs> right. two listens. Um, and whoever she shares it with at church, you know, but I think in terms of, options uh this conversation has always lent itself to three major options of what mm-hmm. churches can do with the culture and how there's a proper relationship between the two. So if you're listening at home um, or taking notes at home or anything like that, just I don't know why you would take notes. But if you have a memory that can remember three options, here they are. Uh, the first is isolate, you know, Christians uh, withdraw from all meaningful interaction with the culture at large. Um, that's when you start seeing them gather into small protected groups, which, seek to become self-sufficient societies. This isn't necessarily a hit on the Amish, but most Amish communities are inherently religious. Uh, You know, this is what they call a fortress mentality. And it's not just the Amish. There
1: are a lot of people. There's um, plenty of, uh, of, you know, sects and cults that have started, that have, you know, sought to distance themselves from their culture and the world that they live in. Yeah. Uh, And and almost in doing so, they have gone uh, into sin. It's, it's been interesting. To yeah. see that, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah, but what's even more interesting is that there, I don't want to say Rod Draher, who I absolutely love reading his books, The Benedict Option and Live Not By Lies. He's a wonderful writer, really is. I think he's Roman Catholic as far as his preferred denomination, but he's a Christian. And uh, he says, you know, sin is an inf- infectious disease. And I think I sympathize with that. Look, yeah. man, like you got a baby coming, which, by the way, everyone, he has this beautiful picture <laughs> of a uh, is sonogram. Sonogram. Yeah. I yeah. keep wanting to say the other thing. What's the other thing that you do? Ultrasound, but yeah. that's just sound. So right. in the name ultrasound, I should probably be able to figure out that that's not a picture of any kind. You know, <laughs> so sonogram. You the time like to think it, about it sonogram. Most of us don't. He's like like your like, baby. Uh, we don't know yet. Baby boy or girl? We don't. Yeah, know not about. yet. But we know everything's healthy and in. Yes, life. yeah. Wonderful. She, she or he is doing well. So that's we're good, excited. Um, oh, so we'll have a gender. That's you've decided that it will. It will have, you will have f-
1: okay. it will be a male or oh, a female. That's a little, yeah. I don't know. It's, a, it's not very forward thinking. I know, don't, right? Unbelievable. We're, we're pushing the cultural norm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to, you know, make sure no one's offended by the gender of my kids. Yeah. Um, but with when you start having kids, you know, and, and you start seeing the effect that sin has on people that you love. And so it's not just your kids, but your relatives and little brothers, little sisters, nieces, nephews, whoever. You see that sin is serious. Sin is yes. an infectious disease. You can be in sin. And I realize you're in sin. Sin's manipulating, mind melting, and so Rod Dreher writes this book called The Benedict Option. I think it came out like five years ago, and it made a bunch of waves. Uh, one of our elders here, Bob Weaver, shared it with me for the first time. Um, and uh, there's a quote pull here to kind of give you an idea of what he was talking about in the book. Uh, but I highly recommend it. it. Says this: We need to realize the radical nature of the present moment, which requires a radical response, a kind of deliberate, strategic retreat so that we can tend our own gardens, so to speak, and cultivate the deep roots that our kids and their kids and their kids' kids, this is forward thinking, will need to hold on to the faith through the dark times ahead. So it's a prediction that things will get worse, which, you know, a lot of our revelation takes understand that things will get worse for the church. It doesn't mean they're peaches now for our sisters and brothers all over the globe. But it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, and so Dreher drew uh, from... The Alistair MacIntyre, Alistair MacIntyre's book, After Virtue, which caused MacIntyre to have a defense once reading Dreher's book saying, you misunderstood, basically, (laughs) because this is not a withdrawal from society into isolation of a certain sort. This is actually the creation of a new set of social institutions that then proceed to evolve. So in in MacIntyre's view, where Rod Dreher sort of drew the inspiration for something like Benedict Option, he's saying, "No, no, no, I'm not saying just go away and never be heard of again. I'm not saying monk this thing out in the cave in the Himalayas. Right. Saying? I'm saying start a new standard, like in, like go a different way. Like there's a rogue one sort right. of understanding here of go away from the empire and start your own deal um, and, and not necessarily abandon the culture, but be of an influence to where your family members and your friends aren't being so negatively influenced. Now, obviously, I think right off the bat – um, this is this lends itself to a homeschooling conversation. You know, I think it's impossible to go with what Rod Dreher is saying and and then give you the, your kids over to like federal institutions or schools. Or and, and if you choose to do that, whatever. That's not what we're really talking about. Yeah. But the idea here is he's saying right off the bat, if you're choosing isolation, I mean isolation. So I don't think it's just uh, sex or cults. Is my point? I think right. that the the isolation mentality of, between church and culture is. Oh, it's easy for people it's, outside of... Yeah. We're not just saying
1: it. this happens yeah. with that. Uh, no, know, like no. The, this
0: is like... I think people... No, I would argue people are practicing this. Yeah. Like, I mean... Not to pull the COVID card, I never want to even say that word again, but like the last two years. Just in, <laughs> isolation. We can edit it out. It did not make any sense. Right, uh, but you, you have people that have kind of chosen that. Right. And, I'm not, and again, this isn't for health reasons necessarily. I know there are health reasons, but non-health re- re- related reasons. Just for the just sake, sake kind of, of isolation. Yeah, everything is re- going towards never having to move. And so we want to make sure even if you're con- contemplating isolation, it's because of the influence of sin and not necessarily because you're just afraid uh, and living in fear because of the culture. Um, so, so that's that's so, the first of, so option. So what's
1: the problem with this view that we see here?
0: I don't know how this is because I've thought about this. Yeah. I mean, even reading the Benedict Option, it's like I mean, I don't know if I would, I've ever gone far enough to go, all right, honey, we're going to try two weeks off the grid. And I have friends who've done that. I've had friends yeah. who could just go off the grid for three or four weeks, smash the cell phone, they're gone. I mean, people don't talk to enough people if they don't think that's actually happening. But the problem with this view, the isolation view, is that it, I have no idea how it works with the mission. I have no idea how it works with Matthew 28. The church, which means Christians, not the buildings, Christians, uh, are called to be salt and light, salt to the earth, light in the darkness. And it's commissioned by Jesus Christ himself before his ascension. Right. So, I mean, the real question is, okay, we know we're not supposed to be immigrants which means we're not looking for this world to be our home we're not establishing a new home our home is in heaven we haven't really been home if we belong to jesus um you know and at the same time uh, even we're not immigrants we're not just necessarily uh nomads either you know we're not yetis we're not sitting here completely detached from everything but we are ambassadors i think that, that in the word ambassadors i don't know how you can keep or maintain an isolationist approach to the culture. You know what I'm saying? Right.
1: So uh, what's what's the second option here? Uh, The second
0: one is pretty common. It's accommodation. So the general thought process here goes something like this. Christians have become increasingly irrelevant by affirming moral positions dictated in this book that was strongly influenced by ancient culture. And because it was ancient culture, ancient, also you can conflate like outdated, and which no longer applies in this enlightened age. Because remember, the Bible was like a firm history book in the eyes of everyone: Galileo, Isaac Newton, and then rolls around the Age of Enlightenment. Here we are in the 1700s, and all of a sudden, you know, it's it's not good enough. Yeah, it it's work. irrelevant to our daily life. Right. Times have changed. Which there's no evidence of any kind from science, a natural science specifically, that suggests that there's anything wrong or contradictory with the Bible. Right. Nothing. Twenty-five thousand archaeological digs have done nothing but increase the authenticity of the written word as a old and new testament of history. So it's not a mythical book, it's not a feel goodery. Faith in faith itself is nothing. This is faith in the living person, God man, Jesus Christ, who had a plan, who executed that plan and will continue to execute that plan in Revelation. So the whole concept here is if the church is to gain any influence, if we're just to accommodate, not necessarily isolate, but accommodate right. as the church, then we must once again become relevant by getting on board with the changing morality of the day. And this is the one that you, you're you not seeing in the shadows. This is the yeah. one you are seeing on the front
1: page of the paper. Yeah, basically the church has to change with the culture and become um, in a way uh, conducive to the cultural norm that it resides within.
0: Oh, sure, yeah. The, the view is typically characterized, I mean, you can choose any uh, array of topics, but it's typically characterized by the rejection of long-held biblical positions on sexuality, including extramarital sex, homosexuality, gender roles, marriage, divorce, uh, foregoing all of those, uh, and not necessarily in the name of progressive liberalism, but in the name of accommodation, making or keeping the church biblically relevant. The problem with that is a lot of things. (laughs) One... Where do we want to start? I mean, one, uh, scripture is our authority, Mm -hmm. and you're supposed to approach it with running shoes, not a red editing pen. It's not our responsibility to make the Bible more palatable. It's not our responsibility to make Jesus more um, sellable. This is not the idea of a marketing Christianity or a maintaining relevance.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: In order to be light in the darkness, light can't look like darkness in no way, shape, or form. And I'll go out on a limb here, and if, you're, if you disagree, please, we'd love to hear from you respectfully. But please, we would love to hear from you. I don't see a, an, an area in time, in any time where the church desiring and hoping to look like the world has led people to be more like Jesus Christ. It may, ha- it may have led to confessions in some sense, but what are they confessing to? Uh, churches doing something in a wrong avenue, in my in my opinion, is going to result in bad fruit every time. There's a right way to do things, and Jesus says that the pursuit of holiness and being different, denying the yourself, culture, take denying, up your cross, yeah, picking up the cross—that's
1: opposite of becoming like the
0: world. It's difficult to yeah. accommodate and not compromise. Right. is the point. And so and one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture is Jesus' uh, high priestly prayer, you know, in John 17, really, because it's the first time ever you get an inner Trinitarian conversation. You know, Jesus, by way of the Holy Spirit, is praying to the Lord God, the Father. So the Son of God praying by the Spirit to the God <laughs> of the Father, you know. So it's an incredible moment. But there, uh, one passage really helps us out. John seventeen fifteen through 16. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Okay? So the word of God. And as Albert Moeller, uh, president of the greatest seminary in the world, really. You're not at all. No, it's just, it's amazing seminary. This is fact, not, not opinion. <laughs> Everyone right? who's graduated from there. I can't really say that. <laughs> <laughs> he put it so well. All right, move on. He put it so well. The church has no right to follow the secular siren call toward moral revisionism and politically correct positions on the issues of the day. If we are intent, basically, on being people of the book, then the cultural fads of this age cannot be the standard for morality. The culture will constantly change and what is considered wrong today will be cherished and celebrated tomorrow and this will just become cyclical and Christians won't know which way is up because we've abandoned the word of God for cultural relevance in an attempt to even reach the culture so I do I do say in grace that some of this can be done with good intentions I think it's some of sad conversations when you meet people part of the clergy uh, different denominations who are really struggling within the denominations uh, with progressive liberalism right now and our church Mm -hmm. is even seeing people come from these denominations and find home here because of the abandonment of the Word of God in order to be more culturally relevant, okay. so this is very pertinent to to even our current time frame. But in that, uh, I feel bad because some of these people are just really—they're really trying. They
1: just—they're just being, according to Romans one, incredibly foolish uh, in, in the way they're doing it. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is Christians must stand on the eternal, unchanging, and infallible truth of the Word of God, and not on the whims. Of popular opinion, no, and because popular opinion changes, that's why it's called popular opinion.
0: Because it's not Most always popular, popular today; won't be popular <laughs> no, tomorrow. No, not at all. I used to wear Jinkos. <laughs> Do you remember Jinkos? <laughs> the shorts that kept on shorting, <laughs> like it's just forever. Like they never ended. They were at ankles at times. Like everyone, every guy who like went to a suburban church looked like the lead singer of Corn. <laughs> Uh, but but even then, speaking of the past, like there right. was this whole new seeker-sensitive movement. Yeah. Uh, my buddy Eric Reed up in Tennessee, he, he wrote something on this, and I thought it was interesting to our topic. But, I mean, when he planted in 2005, the seeker-sensitive movement was in its peak. And, and for those of you who don't know, the seeker-sensitive movement uh, is literally do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes. And that sounds so good, right? Because if you're a church and you're saying do whatever it takes, that shows commitment. Right. Right? The
1: other but, thing I've heard is meet them where they are yeah
0: meet them where they are, but it's not necessarily because there's a there's a gospel element to that too, which yeah. is like we want them to come as they are, because how else are you supposed to come right just as I am. We were big on that absolutely because that's where Christ saves you. Christ does the changing through the Holy Spirit transformation, but in this sense, the secret sensitive movement, and you know we'll meet you where you are is not just in look, not just in lights or sounds or smoke or rock. I mean to me, some of that stuff is just contemporaneous or preferential. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it should absolutely at all decide where you go to church we're talking about 15 minutes within one hour within one week but at the end of the day who's preaching biblical or faithful I mean 1122 has modern music you know contemporary christian music and I'd recommend them so that's that's contemporaneous right that's not the we're, big talking, push. we're talking
1: we talked about changing the fundamental uh, theology of your church in order to meet the the basically to tickle ears A 100 percent. we're talking about
0: driving uh, methodological belief right like the mm-hmm. idea the exclusivity of christ um the uh, there was somebody who visited our church uh, a couple weeks ago you know who just he did not like that we mentioned hell you know and he was a nice guy he's just saying and hate when even anyone mentions that i was like well i hate that there is one i want to warn everybody about it because right. it's real um pro-life sanctity of marriage some some that cross the political beam for the record pro-life is not a political issue it's moral it's a ethical issue which makes it a yeah. biblical issue But it's a bunch of stuff. The movement at that time uh, shrinked in some moments, but you know, and we saw some sometimes in the last 17 years a return to bold proclamation of Scripture. But unfortunately, through I think what's happening with a lot of uh, social justice misunderstandings, um, 2016 Trump's election, all these things that have thrown this giant wrench between the relationships of you know Southern Baptists particularly, but other denominations as well like the PCA. All that, regardless, it's, it's just you're seeing disbanding um, over how much we are to accommodate to the culture. It doesn't matter what the issue is. The issues are going to change. But at the end of the day, who's accommodating to the culture and who's not? Um, we're not called to be uh, whatever it takes. We're called to be holy, and we're called to trust God, and we're called to love others more than we love ourselves, and we're called to live sacrificially and selflessly. You don't do whatever it takes because with that comes an abandonment of biblical convictions. Right.
1: So basically the seeker sensitive movement, you know, of the 90s and early 2000s, um, it never went away. It basically just changed form, changed clothes, if you will, and has become a a different um, issue within our churches today.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at uh, look at Acts 2, you know, the difference between the Jerusalem church and the Antioch church. Right. But um, the last option uh, for hope where where we land and where we'll end our podcast today is we're not called to isolate. This is our belief. We're not called to accommodate. Uh, and I will say we're not called to isolate, but we are definitely called to pursue holiness. We're called to do whatever it has to, we have to to make sure that we are the primary spiritual disciples in our kids' homes, the future generations, passing the faith on. And if there's a level of withdrawal from the world, so be it. Um, but at the same time, remember you're an ambassador. We're not called to accommodate. We're, we're called to stand on the cornerstone of Christ and the convictions of truth and, and fight for scripture.
1: You know, not that scripture
0: in itself needs defending, but
1: right. And that's where our proper understanding of being in the world yeah. and of the world comes into play.
0: That's true. And right. an understanding of doctrine. Yeah. But finally, we are called to engage. We're called to engage the culture. The proper relationship between church and culture is uh, responsible engagement. Um, whatever you use to fix the problem that doesn't have its foundation in Christ Jesus is not the solution. It's just another problem trying to fix a problem. Um, We are called as Christ followers and not just pastors. Goodness, anyone who professes to know Christ as a Christ follower is called to preach and teach Christ and Christ crucified. The, The core element of the gospel is that Jesus did it. We didn't And that we should take his wisdom, lean on the wisdoms of the scriptures from Ecclesiastes to first John, apply the wisdom in our life, be people of boldness like first Corinthians and courageous, but also show Galatian kindness Uh, in the culture. will press up against that. They'll despise that. Um, The Bible does not mince words when it says that the world will hate you. Jesus said the world will hate you because it hated me. Um, That doesn't mean we have to help it hate us. Right. You know, there's a level of kindness with our courage and understanding that if it means someone can know the gospel of Jesus Christ, then lay down your sword for crying out loud. Don't, don't die on your ego. Don't die on your pride and pray that the Lord use you to, to show the, show the gospel to somebody, share the gospel. So because Jesus is alive and well, we have hope in this engagement, but I I will, I will end and add on this that we we are called doing to engage the culture. And maybe uh, sometime soon we can move into modes and methods of developing good evangelistic relationships as well as habits in our neighborhood that can lend more ears to the gospel and to the church. There are really good ways and good ideas that we can look into for that. But but I I will leave everybody with this. When you are being called to engage, you need to prioritize your own spiritual walk with Jesus Christ. This, this if, if if you're lacking anywhere, like if you sense a, a lack of relationship between you and Jesus Christ, it's usually not because you're not sharing the gospel enough. It's It's typically because you yourself are not in the gospel enough. And the reason I know that is because if you're in the gospel enough, I really do feel like sharing it and talking about it. And I'm not talking about these corny cheesy methods. I'm talking about living out when you have people in your life that you work with and that you go to dinner with, you know, that you spend your time with or that you're around or that you meet by happenstance. Those are opportunities to share what you've studied and what you know. And so you can't share a gospel you don't know. Um, And you can't practice a gospel without first knowing Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. So all of this comes down back to uh, confession, back to submission to Christ Jesus first and foremost. Uh, And after that moment, you really need to be engaged with the culture because you and anyone else who knows the gospel by Christ's commission, by Christ's design, uh, is the only hope for a fallen world and fallen culture at that. Amen. Well, Dylan, I appreciate you brother. And, um, I think, uh, I think our culture needs to be more vocal about the truth of God's word. Uh, we need to be discussing doctrines without being embarrassed by them. We need to be excited about the Bible and about the gospel again, and we can pray for that and the Holy Spirit can work in that. And I've. I read the other day that God is not um, selfish in uh, the kindness towards his people, Mm -hmm. and he's not stingy when we ask for holiness and when we pursue him, uh, that he's eager and wants and has a desire. Uh, to bestow that upon us and work in our lives, so that's encouraging to
1: me, man. Yes, it is, and and as always, I hope people understand that as we talk about culture and issues, and um, we you know we are lacking. Uh, I, there's areas that I can see in my life just through talking this, where it's easy to want to either become uh, isolated or to just ex- and you know accept the way our culture is, not make a you know stir up the water on that and so this is convicting i think even to us and we're not going out here saying you're doing it wrong Um, But we hope hope. that, you know, through these discussions, people see uh, what God's saying and what's the biblical calling for Christians in the day and age that God has placed us in.
0: I think that's well said, brother. Um, We need that. We need that mission impact. We need that gospel message. But we need to understand first the proper relationship between church and culture. We must engage, engage, engage. But let's work on our spiritual walk. Let's make sure that stays our priority, that and that of our families. But you will soon have a little disciple in the house. That's true. Um, I'm excited for you, brother. But everybody listening, we appreciate you so much. Thank you for listening to Amelia Baptist Roundtables. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere where podcasts are platformed or streaming. Thank you so much. Subscribe, share. You guys have an awesome day. God bless.